Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number 7. And I'm reading in uh, the New American Standard Bible. When you have it, I want you to say, I got it. If you don't have it, it's on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given. Somebody say grace was given. According to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Somebody say gave gifts to men. Amen. One more time. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says when he ascended on high. He led captive a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Amen. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject ordinary people. Ordinary people. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. It was in 2004 when R&B superstar John Legend won the Grammy Award for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance for his hit song, Ordinary People. In the song, John is having a conversation with his lover, telling her that he loves her, but he doesn't want their relationship to crumble under the pressure of unrealistic expectations. So he tells her, we're just ordinary people. We don't know which way to go. We're just ordinary people. Maybe we should take it slow. And although the song connected with many of us when we heard it, we failed to understand the reality hiding beneath the melody because, in essence, the singer is telling his lover to lower her level of expectations and not to set the bar in their relationship too high because at the end of the day, they're just ordinary people. And whether we want to admit it or not, whether it be in life or in love, many of us have laid aside our expectations to see the extraordinary happen in our lives Because somewhere along the line, we've accepted the lie that we're just ordinary people. And because we're just ordinary people, we shouldn't expect to see the supernatural manifest in our lives. As believers, we've been taught to tell people that we believe that God has miracle working power. And at the same time, we've become satisfied with living powerless lives. We can read the Bible and clearly see the the power of the spirit active and moving in the life of the church But we've allowed people to make us believe that the power that rested on Jesus and on his apostles and on his church was just for that moment in history. And we have no present day access to the power of the spirit. And we have to do the best that we can with what we have. And we should stop expecting God to move in miraculous ways because at the end of the day, we're just ordinary people. And if we would all be honest, we can admit that it's easy to accept that we're ordinary people and that the miraculous power of God is somehow out of our reach. 
It seems somehow easier to accept that when the enemy attacks us and when life happens to us, we're powerless against it because that's what it means to be ordinary. But even when it seems easier for us to accept an ordinary existence, beloved, the beauty of our lives is that we serve an extraordinary savior named Jesus who has all power. And because of his victory on our behalf, the power that resided in him is now available to each one of us. Because of Jesus, we now have access to the miraculous power of God in the midst of what seems like an ordinary life, which means that now through the victory of Jesus, Christians no longer have to settle for being ordinary people, but we have access to the extraordinary power of God and the gifts of his spirit. And this is important because the world is in trouble and in need of redemption. And in God's redemptive plan, he has given the church as his gifts to the world. And to help the church fulfill its mission, God, by his spirit, has given gifts to the church. And every believer, no matter who you are or where you're from or what you've done, has a gift that is waiting to be activated so that you can be used for God's glory. As a matter of fact, one of the most effective attacks of the devil against the body of Christ is to trick us into believing that God is no longer giving spiritual gifts to his church and if he is giving them he's only giving them to people with big names and to big titles with big people with big titles and apostles and prophets but the devil is a liar if you belong to God then you are gifted God help me if you've been saved by God then you have been gifted by God look at somebody help me preach I know it's early but tell somebody even if you don't feel like it you're gifted yeah even if you don't feel like it when you wake up in the morning you might not feel like you got power anybody ever been there anybody ever woke up in the morning and looked at your life and and surveyed your situation and you felt like you had no power but God says if you belong to me if you've been saved from death hell and the grave if you are a believer then deep on the inside of you whether you know it or not there is power and I know that you felt like you were ordinary like there was nothing special about you but the reality that we live in is that God has given gifts to every believer for the building up of his church and for the expansion of his kingdom and this is important because we live in a culture that seems to be fighting against God himself it seems as if the world around us is determined to defy God's word and God's order and to try to remake God in their own image and when we look at statistics and better yet even when we look at our own lives it seems that the mission to win souls seems impossible no one seems to want to follow the God of the Bible the world calls God's laws intolerant and they call his church irrelevant and yet God has called us to do the impossible work of reaching a world that is resistant to its redeemer but when what seems possible with us is no obstacle to our God and so that we can accomplish the mission of God on the earth God has poured out his spirit on the church and the spirit of God makes it possible to do the impossible God help me if we are going to do and be what God is calling us to do and be then we need the spirit not only living in us but working through us and one of the ways that the spirit works through the church is by blessing believers with spiritual gifts this is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 4 the Ephesian church beloved is a lot like us it's a brand new 
church and Paul is writing to them to give them a sort of new members orientation. The Ephesian church, beloved, check this out, is in pathways right now. And in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, Paul is making a plea for the Ephesians to fight for unity in the body of Christ. He's calling for them to find their place in the body of Christ and then work in conjunction with their brothers and sisters to fulfill the mission of God. Paul tells them in verses 4, 5, and 6, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were also called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Paul says something to the Ephesian church that I believe if you were here, he would tell us today, we're all on the same team. Y'all don't get it yet. And for the good of the team, in verses 7 and 8, Paul tells us that God has granted us gifts by way of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells the Ephesian church that before you encountered Christ, you were just ordinary people. But now because of Jesus, you have been rescued from the regular and you have been gifted by God. God help me. Uh, and so now the question is, I'm almost finished y'all. The question becomes... What does God want us to know about these gifts? First of all, in verse 7, we see that the gifts of God are a result of the grace of God. The gifts of God are a result of the grace of God. Notice in the text that when Paul talks about the distribution of the gifts in verse 7, he says that grace was given. Look at the text, verse 7. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That grace was given. Everybody say grace. Now, normally when we talk about grace, we confuse it with mercy. That is God withholding punishment from us that we deserve. Can I teach it for a little while? Uh, the, 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 the grace that we often think about is God not giving us what it is that we deserve. And although the application of mercy is also a work of the grace of God, biblical grace comes from the Greek word charis, where we get the English word charisma. Somebody say charisma. It speaks to divine help. It has been defined, beloved, by some as the unmerited favor of God, the undeserved and unearnable assistance of God. Uh, grace happens when because of no goodness, no righteousness, and no effort of our own, God steps in and pours out his super on top of our natural so that we can accomplish the work that he has called us to. This is important because before Paul goes into the specifics of the gifts, Paul tells us that the gifts of the Spirit, hear me now, are a result of the grace of God. That means that there is nothing that you or I can do to make ourselves gifted. You can't come to church enough to be gifted. You can't sow your way into a bigger gift. You can't manipulate God into gifting you. You are gifted only as a result of the grace of God. Now this flies in the face of a quid pro quo culture. This flies in the face of a culture culture that says you can't get something for nothing because we've been taught that to get something we have to earn it ourselves but that's not how God operates when it comes to his gifts just like God's free gift of salvation the only thing you can do to get these gifts is to receive them God help me if you want to be gifted then you have to believe that it is God's will to gift you for the good of his church you have to have the faith that he is the distributor of spiritual gifts and you have to make a decision 
decision to receive it. Now you got to understand because this is the essence of the gospel itself. That God not only rescues us from sin by his grace, but he empowers us for supernatural service through his grace. Paul says that every believer has been given this grace. But when we look around us and even when we look inside of us, we can clearly see that not everyone is actively working in their gift. Do you understand what I'm saying? God has put a gift on the inside of everybody. He's made gifts available to every person, but every person is not operating in their gifts. This is because the same way that salvation is available to all people, but only works in the lives of those who believe and receive it. The power of the gifts of the spirit are available to all believers, but they are only activated in the lives of those who freely accept the gifts of his power. And if we stop trying to earn our gifts or stop trying to prove to people how gifted we are, then we could ha if we could have the faith to stop caring about how people perceive us and to stop caring if people think that we're weird or that we're spooky or that we're irrational or emotional and receive the gifts of God's grace, then we will begin to see God move in our lives in a new and powerful way. And if you're tired today of living a powerless life, if you want to be used by God in an extraordinary way, if you are tired of the devil bullying you in your mind and afflicting your marriage and tying up your money, then the power has been made available to you by the, by the grace of Almighty God and all you have to do is receive it. Yeah. See, y'all sleeping on me. I know it's hot. Y'all don't want to say amen, but the reality of your life is you are the one that's holding yourself back. You are the reason why you can't get what you need to get from God. God said that if you want power, all you got to do is receive it. If you want to get better, all you got to do is receive it. If you want to have dominion, then all you have to do is receive it. Find somebody close to you and tell them I receive it. Yeah, not only that, but if the gifts of God come to us by the grace of God, then the gifts of God remain with me by the grace of God. This is for everyone who has made a mistake or found themselves stuck in a cycle and you felt like because of your mess and your drama and because of who you slept with and what you struggled with and because you struggled with your identity and because you got issues, you thought that you lost your gift. But God wants you to know that you cannot frustrate grace. God, help me. If you were ever gifted by God, then you are still gifted by God. Now, this is not for anybody who hasn't made a mistake. These aren't for people. This message right now is not for people who have always done right and who glow in the dark and walk on water. And your nickname in the spirit is Jesus Jr. This message is not for you. But this is for people who have messed up real bad and thought that God was done with you. But God wants you to know that there there is no such thing as a fall from grace. I don't care what happened to you. I don't care what you did. I don't care what that church mother told you. I don't care what that false prophet said to you. There is no such thing as a fall from grace. As a matter of fact, it would not be grace if it didn't have the power to catch you when you fail. And all you have to do is believe that God has not and will not give up on you. That he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete 
defeated even until the day of Jesus Christ. Tell somebody who looks like they need to be encouraged, you're still gifted. God, help me. Oh, yeah, I know you don't feel like it anymore. I know you slept with the wrong person. I know you gave it up to the wrong somebody. I know you smoked the wrong thing and drank too much and went to the wrong party and had the wrong group of friends, but you showed up in the church today so that God could give you encouragement and let you know that you're still gifted. The gift of God has not run out on you. God is still getting ready to use you. We are gifted by the grace of God, number one. Number two, we are gifted because of the victory of the cross. Look at verse number eight. It says, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Not only does Paul tell us that these gifts come from the grace of God, but he tells us that the gifts we have are a result of what Christ did on Calvary. And the reality is that many of us, or many people rather, who don't believe in the gifts, believe that those of us who do believe in the gifts are trying to say that the gospel is not sufficient. They try to say that because we seek to see the supernatural power of God manifested, not just in our worship experiences, beloved, but in our everyday lives, they'll try to say that we feel like the work of Christ on the cross is not enough. But what Paul is teaching us is that the giving of gifts is not something that was added on to the gospel, but God's distribution of gifts to the church is a part of the gospel itself. So in verse 8, Paul uses the words of King David in Psalm chapter 68 and tells us that after Jesus had accomplished victory over sin, hell, and the grave by dying in our place and raising on the third day, Paul says that he ascended on high, leading captive behind him a host of captives, and that's where a lot of preachers want to stop. They want to tell you that Jesus died, Jesus rose, he ascended, and that he conquered the enemy, but they don't want to go any further. And I'll be honest with you, uh, I can see why a lot of preachers want to stop there, because that's good news. And I would suggest that stopping there is worth it, but I wouldn't drop a period there, I would drop a comma. Because a period denotes the end of the matter, but a comma uh, signifies that there is more to be said. And what Jesus is saying is that the gifts of the Spirit are a result of my victory. And Paul uses the poetic language of the psalm to explain to us what Christ did on our behalf. He says that Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. He got up. And when he ascended, Paul says something interesting. Here it is, verse 8. He says, when he ascended, look at what he said. He led captive a host of captives. Now, that doesn't mean anything to you on the surface. The old King James says it this way. He led captivity captive. I love the way that the New Testament scholar and, uh, and theologian N.T. Wright says it in his uh, translation of the New Testament called the Kingdom New Testament. Look at what he says, it's on the screen. It says, when he went up on high, he led bondage itself into bondage and gave gifts to people. You missed it, because if you got it, you would have shouted. It says that when Jesus got up from the grave, he led bondage itself, I feel it now, into bondage. He says that Jesus literally ascended victoriously into heaven. 
and he took bondage into bondage. God help me. Everything in the earth and in the spirit realm that would try to make a prisoner out of you. The Bible says that Christ has already made a prisoner out of it. God help me. And prisoners have no rights. God help me. Which means that anything that is operating to keep you bound is operating illegally and you have the authority by Jesus to cast it out. God help me. Whatever is trying to hold you captive has already been defeated by Jesus Christ. And all you've got to do is remind it of who's boss. And if you're reminded of who's boss, then it has to bow. God help me. I know this isn't a message on deliverance. We're supposed to be in a series about the gifts. I preached the deliverance already in the summertime during faith nights, but can I just give you a refresher real quick and remind you that if Jesus beat it, then it has to bow. God help me. If Jesus beat it, then it has to bow. Jesus beat cancer. Jesus beat depression. Jesus beat disease. Jesus beat anxiety. Jesus beat your blood pressure. Jesus beat your bad credit. Jesus beat that no good boyfriend. Jesus beat your lying baby daddy. Jesus beat it. And if Jesus beat it, then there is one name, God have mercy, given unto heaven, whereby we must be saved that at the name of Jesus every knee has got to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I know it's still early. I only got a few minutes left, but do me a favor. Shake your neighbor a little bit and say it's got to bow. Oh, oh, that's the wrong neighbor. Find somebody else and say it's got to bow. I don't care what it is. I don't care how long it's been afflicting you. I don't care what the devil Whatever the devil said, it's got to bow at the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Can I preach it like I feel it now? Paul says that Jesus took captivity captive. That he led bondage into bondage. That he took drug addiction and sexual addiction and alcohol addiction and pornography addiction and lying and cheating and anger and hatred and bitterness and he put it under his feet and he did all of this before he gave the gifts to men which also paint us a picture of the divine order of God. God wants you delivered more than he wants you gifted. He delivered us before he gave gifts. God wants you gift delivered more than he wants you to be gifted. God help me. And the sad reality of the church is that the reason why many people feel like the gifts are not real is because many of us who are gifted are sadly gifted and bound. But Jesus said that before he did the work to make you gifted, he did the work to make you free. While we were seeking, while we are seeking gifts, it is my prayer that we also receive freedom because Christ accomplished freedom for us on the cross. But the Bible says that after Christ made a prisoner out of everything, I feel my help now. Everything that would try to imprison me. The Bible says he turned around and gave gifts to his children. Beloved, this is the fullness of the gospel message. That once Christ achieved his victory, he called us to continue his work. But he knew that we could not do his work without his help. And to help us, the Bible says that when he ascended on 
high. He gave gifts to men and women. I want to be clear. The gifts are a part of the gospel. The sinless life, the vicarious death, the miraculous resurrection of Jesus Christ. Climax in Jesus forming and gifting his church. And it is impossible to truly accept the gospel and reject the gifts of the spirit. It is impossible. God help me here. It is impossible for a church to function properly if it is not guided by, empowered by, enabled by, and gifted by the spirit of God. This is the problem I believe we face as a 21st century church. We only want the parts of God that we can explain. We only want the parts of God that make sense to our logic, that won't get us talked about or looked at funny. We care too much what people think. And because of that, we sit in powerless churches that present a half-baked gospel from anemic spiritual preachers. But God isn't looking for people who only want a piece of him. God is looking for people who want him in all of his fullness. People who are tired of life as usual. People who are tired of coming to church every week and seeing the same routine and leaving the same. God is looking for people who don't care if they seem unsophisticated or out of control. God wants a people who want all of him. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but is there anybody who wants all of him? You want all of God. You want everything that God has for you. I don't care if I get talked about. I don't care if it gets me put out of a church. I want all of God. Is there anybody here who can say, I want all of him. I want all of his power. I want all of his authority. I want all of his righteousness. I want to prophesy like him. I want to preach like him. I want to heal like him. I want to raise the dead like him. I want to speak in tongues and interpret like him. I want all of God. Uh, We are gifted by the grace of God. We are gifted through the victory of the cross. But then number three, you be seated please. Number three, we are gifted for the good of the church. Uh, Verses 11 and 12 says, listen to me now, I'm coming back to this later on in the series, but let me read verse 11 and 12 to you. It says, and he, somebody say he, gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers number 12 for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ why did he give us gifts for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ why did he give us the gifts pastor Josh was it so that we could run revivals and raise offerings was it so we could build big church buildings was it so we could start ministries that increase our own fame no he gave us gifts for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ Paul tells us that God has given us gifts not so that we could be gifted for gifting's sake but the gifts that Paul has named in verse 11 gifts that we have come to call the fivefold ministry as other as well as the other gifts that are detailed in scripture Paul says so that that they have been given to the members of the church so that you and I can be equipped to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ this means
means that the gifts are essential so that the church can be the church. It doesn't mean that every believer is gifted in the same way. And it does not mean that every believer is supposed to manifest every gift. Oh, but Paul is teaching us that every gift in the body is vital to the health and the growth of the church. Paul is teaching us that no matter how small, no matter how ordinary or insignificant we believe ourselves to be, we are gifted. Not so that we can seclude ourselves in the corner and hide out in the background, but we are gifted, beloved, for the good of the church. Somebody say, for the good of the church. Paul teaches us that every member has a ministry and that every task is important. Can I insert a shameless plug here? This is why we encourage you to go through pathways. It's not just a new members class that's played out, but it's an opportunity for you to understand what your spiritual gift is so that you can release your potential in the earth because the beautiful reality of God is that he doesn't need anybody to do anything, but because he loves us, he's decided to deposit his gifts into the church. God, help me so that we can do what it is he's called us to do. Is there anybody here who's glad that God has given you a gift? I know you thought you were just coming to church because that was the right thing to do. And I know you enjoy Mike Holloway's singing. And I know that sometimes the preaching is good. But God said it was a setup because he wanted you to wander into the building because he wanted to tell you that there is a gift in you that will bless the body of Christ. This is also a message for the misfits, for those who feel out of place and like you don't belong, like there's not a church for you, like you don't fit in, like you're an oddball. God says there is a place for you in the body of Christ. And the trick of the enemy, God help me, is to get you to believe that you don't belong and that you don't have anything to offer. But the devil is a liar. You have a gift and you owe it to your brothers and your sisters in Christ to activate that gift and get busy. Do me a favor now for the last time. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, I need your gift. As a matter of fact, Bishop Hezekiah Walker said it this way. I need you to survive. I can't make it without your gift. There is somebody in the in the body of Christ that's waiting on you to release your potential and you can't sit back in the back and just come and get all this good word and all of this good worship and all of this good teaching and have all of these relationships and just come and do nothing. But God said, I've deposited too much in you to see you sit there. God said, I've got something for you to do in the earth. I know you felt like you were insignificant. I know you felt like you can't find your place. I know you feel like other people's gifts have overshadowed yours. But Paul says, just because the foot is not a hand, the hand doesn't say to the foot, I don't need you. But each member of the body is important to another part. Look at somebody and say, you've got a place. Oh, you've got a place. You've got a place. And you've got to do something. You've been gifted for the good of the body. For the good of the church. We've been gifted by the grace of God. We've been gifted through the victory of the cross. We've been gifted for the good of the church. And then finally, and I'm done. Uh, we are gifted for this present age. I want to help you. 
I'm not just trying to preach to y'all. I'm trying to teach you something so that you can leave here with ammunition to help you support why you believe what you believe. You don't need to leave out of here talking about I'm gifted because Pastor Josh said so. But I'm giving you ammunition through the word of God to be able to defend your position on believing that you have the gifts of the spirit. We are gifted for this present age. Everybody say present age. Yeah, look at verse 13 and I'm done. If you have your Bibles, you're going to have to turn there. He says, uh, verse 12 and 13, I'll read it. He says, for the equipping of the saints, for the, work of the, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature of which belongs to the fullness of Jesus Christ. Again, how long are we going to be gifted? Until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Paul tells us, listen, that we are not ordinary people. But we are gifted people. And we are gifted by the riches of God's grace. We are gifted because of the victory of the cross. We are gifted for the good of the church. And then Paul says, we are gifted for this present age. Can we backtrack for a moment? Okay. If you're taking notes, check this out. In verses 7 through 10, Paul gives us the origination of the gifts. Okay. In verses 11 and 12, Paul gives us the variations of the gifts. And then in verse 13, Paul speaks to the duration of the gifts. This scripture is one that flies in the face of what theologians call cessationism. Somebody say cessationism. Cessationism is the belief held by some Christians that after the last apostle died or what they call the end of the apostolic age, that the gifts ceased, that they are no longer available or active in the church. And the sad thing is that there were many believers who claimed to love Jesus, but they erroneously believed that the gifts of the Spirit were for then and not now. That somehow after the death of the apostles, God decided that the gifts were no longer needed for the church. And the problem with that line of thought is this, that is nowhere ever taught in the Bible. The Bible never says explicitly or through implication or in principle that God stopped making his gifts available to the church. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Paul in verse 13, after telling us how the gifts are given and telling us the different types of gifts, Paul goes on to tell us that the gifts are going to continue. And Paul says in verse 13 that the gifts will remain in operation in the church until we all, everybody say all, attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness, everybody say fullness, 
of Jesus Christ. So essentially, Paul is saying that God will continue to give gifts to his church until the church looks like Jesus. God help me. God's desire, hear me now, is for his church to look like his son. And the only way for the church to look like the son is for God to pour out his spirit on the church until the church is conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. God will give gifts to the church and the gifts will continue to operate until the church is perfect like her savior. Why is this important? It is, it is important because the goal of the gifts is to perfect the church and the Bible says that the church will not be perfect until the return of Jesus Christ as a matter of fact the Apostle John the beloved Apostle the last living Apostle says in 1st John chapter 3 verse 2 that beloved we are now the children of God and it has not yet appeared what we shall be but we know that when he appears we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is God help me Paul uh, John says to co-sign with Paul we're trying our best to live right huh? but by living by, by, but by reading the Bible alone it's impossible for us to see the fullness of Jesus Christ uh, uh, we can get close to him huh? the Bible is a good guide huh? but we will not be perfected God help me until we see him huh? Paul says you're living in Corinthians huh? chapter 13 verse 12 huh? Paul says right now we see through a glass darkling huh, or through a mirror dimly. Huh? Paul says that you trying to be like Jesus without seeing him face to face is like a woman trying to put on her make makeup in the dark. Huh? You're not going to quite get it right. Huh? No matter how good you know your face, if you put no makeup in the dark, huh, you're going to miss something. Something's going to be off balance. Something is going to be out of whack. Huh? But the only way you'll be able, God help me, to, to be just like Jesus huh, is if you see him face to face and so John is saying that God is going to give gifts to his church until his church like looks like the savior that purchased her with his own blood which means that the gifts were not just for yesterday that the church doesn't have to settle for the miracles and the power and the anointing that we've heard about in our past but the same power that was available for the saints of old is available for us today God help me Oh, that God didn't just give gifts to the church for its history uh, but God gave gifts to the church so that it could make history uh, you can make history today uh, I don't know how anybody would think uh, that you're going to be able to touch this generation without the supernatural miraculous mountain moving power of the Holy Ghost uh, God said that if Jesus needed the Holy Ghost uh, then you need the Holy Ghost uh, if the apostles needed the Holy Ghost uh, to build his church uh, then you need the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know that it's not just for the titans of old. It's not just for Jesus and for the apostles. It's not just for the church fathers and mothers. It's not just for William Seymour, Bishop Charles Harrison Mason, Lester Summerall, Oral Roberts, and Smith Wigglesworth. That the anointing of God that worked in the people in the past, not just for Billy Graham, it's not just for T.D. Jakes, it's not just for your favorite preacher, but the Holy Ghost, God help me here, is available for you right now.
right now. And if you want to be gifted for this present age, all you have to do is receive it. I know you think I'm making it up, but can I press my claim a little bit further? I brought Bible with me. Jesus himself said in Luke 11 verse 13, he said, if you, beloved, being evil, know how to give good gifts. Everybody say good gifts. I'll say it again like you mean it. Good gifts. Good gifts to your children. How much more then shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? That promise that Jesus made to the disciples in Luke 11 and the promise that he made to them in Acts chapter 1 is still available to them now. That's why you need to get you a t-shirt. Not because the church needs to make a profit. I give them away to you if you want it. You need it so that you can learn that verse on the back and apply it to every area of your life because the same promise that Jesus made 2,000 years ago to the church is available to you. Now what's the promise? You shall receive power. God help me. I know you want to receive a car but that ain't what you need. I know you want to receive a raise but that ain't what you need. I know you want to receive a man or a mate or a significant other but that's not what you need. God said what you need is what I'm promising to give you. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses. God help me. You're going to be able to lay down your life all over the world and if you would be honest today you can look around the world now and you'd have to admit that we need power. I feel it now. Oh, we need power. If you look at what's going on in the White House, you'd have to admit that we need power. In Africa, just yesterday, early this morning, a church was attacked and the pastor and both of his sons were killed. If you look around the world, we need power. If you look in the Senate, we need power. If you look in the House, we need power. If you look in our neighborhoods, we need power. If you go to the mayor's mansion, we need power. If you go to the governor's mansion in Tallahassee, we need power. If you go over on the east side, we need power. If you drive over to the west side, we need power. If you live on the north side, we need power. God says you need power. But can I tell you the good news is that even though you need power, God has not stopped giving gifts to his children. And if you want it, I got good news for your beloved. He will give you power. Oh God, I know oh, that's not exciting to some of you because you wanted somebody to tell you how to get rich quick. You wanted five principles to live your best life. Oh, but I've got good news for you, beloved. I've got news for you. You can't live your best life without the Holy Ghost. You can't live your best life without his power. What good does it do for you to have good credit and for the devil to be attacking your mind with depression? What good does it do for you to have a good paying job but you're suffering from anxiety? What good does it do for you to have a marriage but your husband or your wife can't stand you because you're always nagging because the devil is beating you upside your head. You don't need more stuff. God help me. You need power. And is there anybody here who can help me preach now that can say I want power. Oh God I dare somebody who wants it to lift up your hands and say Lord give me your power. Oh God lift, lift them up like you believe it. Say Lord I need your power. And I want somebody to know that that's what he's come to do. 
God is still giving gifts. And if you want it, he'll give you a power. Grab your neighbor. I feel like preaching now. Grab your neighbor and say, neighbor, the promise of the Lord is that at the end of the day, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I know it's hot like a sauna, but I'm working in here. Somebody help me preach. Grab your neighbor and take them by the hand and say, neighbor, he will give you power. I know you're hurting in your mind, but the Lord will give you power. He'll give you power over your anxiety. He'll give you power over your depression. He'll give you power to make your enemies leave you alone. Ain't God all right? Is there anybody here in the building today? Thank you, Micah. Help me preach. Is there anybody here who believes that the Lord will give you power? I'm almost there, Mike. Grab your name with hand and say, neighbor, the Lord is getting ready to give you power. I know you don't believe it, but Jesus, he went to Calvary and he died on that old rugged cross, but he didn't stay there. He got up from the grave and he had a prayer meeting with his disciples and he told them, don't leave from Jerusalem, but stay there until you're being endued with the power from on high. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that all of the disciples were up in an upper room. They were praying and waiting on the promise of the Father. Then all of a sudden there was a sound. God help me here. I didn't gotta help me. All of a sudden there was a sound. All of a sudden there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And the Bible says that there appeared on top of the head tongues like fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Is there anybody here in the building today that can say, I believe that it's not just an ax anointing. I believe that it's not just a first century anointing. But I believe that the power is mine. It's mine. Anybody know it's mine? I dare you to declare it. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. You will receive power. Is there anybody here that can say I need the power? You are gifted by the power of God. You have extraordinary purpose. You're not ordinary people, but you are gifted people, gifted by the grace of God. I dare you, 
I dare you today not to leave here powerless, but to receive the power of the Lord. I got to leave you now. I got to leave you here. I got to leave you here. But can I tell you one thing? Two nights ago, Mike, my daughter, she came into my room at about one o'clock in the morning. She came into my room. My wife was fast asleep. I had stayed up late. I was brushing my teeth. While I was brushing my teeth, my daughter came into my room. She snuck up on me. It was one o'clock in the morning. I got scared. I said, what you doing? She said, daddy, I'm scared. She said, daddy, there's something in my room. I took my daughter into a room. I rinsed the toothpaste out my mouth, you know, and I went into a room and I said to Mia, I need you to pray to cast the devil out of your room. She said, daddy, can you pray? Can you do it for me? And I told to Mia, I said, I know you don't believe it, but the same power that's in your daddy is on the inside of you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, is there anybody here who can say that the power of God is not just for the apostle, it's not just for the prophet, it's not just for the evangelist, it's not just for the pastors and teachers, but it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. If you believe it, say yeah, say yeah. Receive the power. Receive the power. You're caught up 